Podcasting from Astrolab Studios, this is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi, fantasy, and just plain weird shows that have faded from the collective consciousness and didn't quite make the impact that they intended. This week, Harsh Realm, Episodes 1 and 2. You don't want Mr. Hobbs to think that she's been mistreated. She knows the man's name and she's going to get it for us by whatever means necessary. I never believed the stories, but I believe them now. About another world and the man who's coming to save us. I am your savior. I am that man. Hey everyone and welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast where we watch forgotten science fiction television and find out what we've been missing. Is that what we're doing? We're finding out what we've been missing? Uh, yeah, I decided this week that's what oh. we're doing. Okay. Uh, I'm Luke, here with my steadfast co-host Jordan. How you doing Jordan? What's real? Oh yeah, <laughs> this time I remember the what's real. Uh, what was the response though? What did they ever say in Tech War? They went real. Something I think like I think Jake just beat him up. <laughs> he just be, he just beat him up and kissed his girlfriend. Classic. Classic Jake. You know what I like? That uh after uh twelve or thirteen episodes, I don't think one has passed where we haven't mentioned Jake Cardigan. He's he's made such an impact on both of us. I mean this is I think epi- more than anyone. This is episode what, thirteen? Yeah. Half of our episodes have still been tech war episodes. Yeah, that's something. <laughs> yeah, that is something. That is something, right? Pretty when are we good. when are we getting those tech war tattoos? Yours oh, just says tech and mine says war, but if we put our arms together. When we flex our guns. Yeah. <laughs> it says tech war. Tech oh, war. I love it. Episode 50 will do. Nice. All right. So this week we're starting a new series, Chris Carter's Harsh Realm. Yeah. Uh, and I'm excited because we haven't got into this like subgenre of television sci-fi yet. Yeah. What would you, what would you call this genre? I, I kind of call it like, this is something that cropped up in the nineties. It's kind of. Uh, supernatural conspiracy drama yeah. that's okay. it's heavy on conspiracy not light on sci-fi but the conspiracy is kind of the core of it and then the weird sci-fi elements underlie the conspiracy there's a lot of distrust of government oh yeah chris carter uh, he hates the government i don't know how much you knew about the show i barely barely remembered or knew anything about harsh realm other than i think maybe i saw a promo one time on fox but doing the tiny little bit of research I've done, I mean, it was only on for a couple of weeks. It was canceled after episode three, much like um, uh, Beyond, West Beyond Westworld. They both had the same length of run. I knew it was about some sort of virtual reality premise. I knew that much. And I like knew it was the third show Chris Carter created. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, I, I knew nothing more than that. Can we talk about the title? Harsh Realm. As soon as I heard Harsh Realm, it made me laugh because it reminded me of and I, I won't try to get too deep into this, but it was one of the words that were made up in the early 90s by, long story short, when grunge happened, it became very popular and older organizations and media were trying to find out what the kids were doing and what they were saying. And they were like, what is this grunge? So New York Times, the New York Times, called Sub Pop Records, which was the big indie uh, label at the time. And they spoke to the secretary and they were like, what are the kids saying and stuff? So she made up 
just made up a bunch of phrases of things that kids were saying. And the New York Times published it. And it was a bit of an embarrassment. This is like 1991 or whatever it was. Um, and harsh realm was one of the phrases. Oh, really? Um, and harsh realm. And I'll, I have a list of the words she made up. Harsh realm meant just a bummer. And here's a couple other ones that, again, the New York Times published this. Um, this, this like 20 year old was making fun of them. Tom Tom Club. That's an uncool outsider. Oh, I'm going to start using that. The uh, wax lax. That's old ripped jeans. Wax. Um, Cobb That's a loser. Um, they go on and on. Harsh Realm again. It was a bummer. And but my favorite is swinging on the flippity flop, and that's hanging out. I've heard that before. Yeah, swinging on the flippity flop. Yeah. Anyway, really so um, I looked. I looked into a little bit, and actually, Harsh Realm was based on. That's where they got the name. That's where they got the name was from this grunge speak. Um, but I, I guess we can go into it. It was really originally a comic. Oh, interesting. I don't. I did not know that. Oh yeah. So I guess I did a tiny bit more research than you did this week. So Harsh Realm was a comic, but it was by two guys named James Hudnell and Andrew Paquette. I'd never heard of it before, and it's on a really, really small. I think it was called Harris Comics, oh, which I'd never I heard don't of. Know it. Um, it only did. I think it was six issues, and it's where Chris Carter got the ideas from. But it's very, very loose ideas. Like it's, it's. The idea was there's another world. You can get into it by virtual reality, I think, and you have magical powers. That's about all he took. Um, and we can get into this probably later, but what ended up happening was Chris Carter created the show, didn't give these guys any credit. They sued him. And if you notice on the second episode that we watched, they have a different credit that goes up, which is based on an idea, whatever that sort of oh. thing, because they won the lawsuit against Chris Carter. Didn't get it done before the first episode? No, I think the first episode doesn't have it, and then the second episode does. So, Crazy. Anyways. So Chris Carter is a thief. Yeah, I think it was more like he was like, that's a cool idea, and then they just didn't do the proper right. logistical, legal work. That He had felt like he'd him. done enough to differentiate it. Yeah, which I think it is, and actually I think the comic book sounds a little more interesting, but, uh, but that's what it's based on. One- funny grunge speak that was just made up by some secretary and to uh the comic book of a said short run comic book short run comic book and then we have a short run tv series i know so much more about this show now yeah so what else what else uh, was happening i mean i was gonna ask you so this show comes out october 99 runs till i think may 2000 because that's when they finish running the episodes it's a huge break um what what were you doing instead of watching harsh realm 1999, I would have still been in high school. I don't know. I was probably watching a lot of Letterman. A lot of Letterman? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. That's about it. What about you? Uh, yeah, I was like final year of high school. And I'm actually surprised I didn't watch this. A, I, I was a big fan of Chris Carter's other series, Millennium. I watched all of that show. Oh, did you? I only watched a, a bit of Millennium and it was like not enough like the X-Files and I just stopped watching it. Yeah, I don't know. For whatever reason, it really it really got to me. I think it's something, it was it was very grim and I, I felt I was a very grim child, I think. So yeah, I was surprised. At around this time in my life was when I was watching the most TV I watched. I was watching anything that came on. Really? Because I had moved out of a room with my brother into the basement. So I had my own room for the first time. And in the closet of my room was my parents' old black and white TV. So I'd sneak it out every night and plug it in and just watch whatever was on, like, antenna over-the-air television right. till like, 11 or t midnight. Um, so I, I watched so much garbage to the point that I'm surprised that this somehow slipped past me. That this piece of garbage didn't, that, that didn't make it in? The only way I, I could have missed it is it must not have aired on any Canadian channel that was over-the-air near me. Right. 
I think what it was was it just it came and went so quick. It didn't really get a chance. And I mean, obviously, as the series goes on, we'll we'll see if it deserved more of a chance. But I think that was part of it that I don't know how big a promotion it was. I don't remember it. And then maybe it just came on and went off. I know that, again, doing a little bit of reading, uh, Fox wasn't terribly happy with the show right off the bat. Okay. Um, they thought it was uh, too bleak and violent, um, which they might have an argument. Maybe not so much of the violence, but it is pretty bleak and brown. It's funny. It, it, it's not so much that it's bleak. I would say Millennium is a lot bleaker. I'd say that the tone is just super inconsistent. <laughs> So as usual, I had a quick look at the notable events that were happening in the world while this was on. Just I don't know why I like to situate myself mm-hmm. where we are in the timeline. No, it's good. Of life. We get to we can, what we do every time is we we decorate this booth based on the time. Based on the timeline. Yeah. Well, because it ran from October '99 till May 2000, everyone had Y2K fever. Mm. Jordan, what what did you do for the millennium? I don't remember what, what New Year's was on, on the Millennium New Year's. How sad is that? I remember really? the day after changing the clock and being like, that was it? But that, I don't remember. That was the big highlight. That was the big highlight, but I don't remember. What were you doing? Uh, I think my mom threw a party at the house because I remember she made us put stuff in a time capsule. Really? Yeah. Which what did I you put in? I'm I, guessing. Can I guess what you oh put Oh, yeah. In? Go for it. I think it was a dinosaur from Jurassic Park. I, I think you are correct. Oh my gosh, that's some guess. I'm not 100% sure, but I feel like that probably is correct because I was really into that movie. Yeah. Uh, I, I think we might have opened it 10 years later. I literally don't remember what was in it. Oh, you so you've opened it already. Yeah, and I still don't remember what was in it. I think we wrote things down. I, I have can no we, memory. Can we do a live call to your mom right now? Yeah, I'll <laughs> give her a call. I'll, we'll do that. I'll, I'll track it down and have her pull it out and we'll see what was in it. And then after that, I think I went to some uh, bad high school party and got drunk till midnight. Nice. You know, the you, usual. The, the, more importantly, though, do you remember changing the clock the next day? I, d- I have no memory of changing the clock the next day. Hmm. We're two very different people. Apparently. <laughs> Other than what we were doing, uh, someone else was celebrating the new year because on January 31st, Boris Yeltsin resigned mm. and Vladimir Putin became the acting president of Russia. It went well. Um, and then the only other really noteworthy things I came across were three deaths that happened during Harsh Realm. Unrelated to Harsh Realm. Unrelated. <laughs> I don't think Harsh Realm killed these people. Right. As far as I know. I don't want to, I don't want to get sued. October 12th, Will Chamberlain, NBA player, died. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what he was most famous for? That he uh, claimed he had sex with 20,000 women. Wow. How do you even track it at that point? I th- that's what I think. I think he was rounding up and way up. They get one of those clickers. He just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's that noise? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I'm just like tracking something. December twelfth, Catch Twenty Two author Joseph Heller died. Oh yeah, Joseph Heller. Yeah. And then the big one, February twelfth, creator of Peanuts, Charles Schultz, Charles Schultz died. Yeah. Hmm. He lived to just past the millennium. Rest in peace, Charles. Hmm. Yeah, that's it. That's all that happened in the world. That was it, huh? That was all that happened. Uh, there yeah. was a bunch of stuff, but none of it was that noteworthy. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Everyone was too excited about the new millennium. They weren't yeah. They weren't getting up to anything. Yeah, worrying about changing that clock. That's right. When's it going to happen? Any second now. All right, you ready for the synopsis for episode one? Can't wait. Episode one, simply entitled Pilot. Is it really? Yeah, real creative. Hmm. Good job, Chris Carter. Yeah, Chris Carter. We can go on about him in future episodes. Lieutenant Hobbs, a young Marine, volunteers to test the military's newest tool, a virtual reality training machine codenamed Harsh Realm. 
Once attached to the machine, Hobbs discovers the VR world is controlled by the renegade soldier Omar Santiago. While Hobbs' body remains in a coma, his mind lives on in the VR world, where he must join forces with an underground force in their attempt to overthrow Santiago. A much more succinct and not entirely accurate synopsis to this. I was going to say, I don't think that synopsis doesn't do it a terrible justice because this show is kind of all over the place. Yeah. Like this pilot, just think (laughs) if you were an executive and this is the pilot that was dropped on your lap, I'd be like, I I don't know what to do with this. Like, is this a series? It's so confusing and convoluted. You don't know what the stakes are at all. It's very weird. And I don't know. I'm sure it's mostly what was in the script, but it feels like maybe at some point, maybe it was longer or there was like more aspects there's a lot of stuff that comes at you and yet not much happens. Yeah, it's like he didn't write the scenes in between scenes and you're like, so, why did that person just go there? Did, did they say like, no, oh, okay, they're in a car, but we don't know why. And- yeah, if they kind of just wander from scene to scene. Yeah. Uh, but I'll start us off in Serio, though. It's 1994. Our series lead, Lieutenant Hobbs, and his army pal Waters are in a war zone watching children cross the street of a war-torn city. It's a funny thing about TV and sometimes somewhat lower-budget TV. Not that I think this had a low budget, but this could be any any town war. This could be Germany, Iraq, Yugoslavia. It doesn't, it doesn't it's really... It's just Yeah, zone. it's not evocative of anything. And no. they're just like, oh, people don't know what Sarajevo looks like, so just Yeah, rubble. we put up that title. They know where they are. Yeah, exactly. Kind of uh, looks like a back lot in Vancouver. No, no, it's yeah. definitely Sarajevo. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, the kids are running across the street, and because Hobbs and Waters are such good-hearted people, when they see one of the kids who's like, I don't know, a toddler, yeah. falls over and like loses the group, that Waters it runs out to rescue her and like drags her into the building and gives her back to the group of the kids. Um, but of course, one of the kids has an assault rifle. And He's like a street tough. Blasts him. Yeah. So Hobbs. Needs to go save his his partner? What, what is that in the army? Someone in his platoon, I guess. Yeah, someone in his platoon. So he runs in despite the fact they're about to bomb the house he's in, which is also full of kids. They didn't stop the kids from going in the place yeah. to get bombed. Uh, and he kind of rescues his buddy, and that kind of sets us up so we know that both these people are good, hardworking Americans we can trust. And is it at this point, because I know it's going to happen very soon, that we get what will become a theme throughout Harshal, which is narration. Absolutely. This is the beginning of nonstop VR. And it's, VO it's, it's and like, VR. It, it's like Chris Carter just watched Platoon and he thought, that's a great narrative feature I could use. Just have the guy giving thought. But it's like, it doesn't help at all. It's just the guy speaking in sort of poetic terms about things. But... I, I made a note of that. He seems to speak almost like he's talking poetry, like he speaks mm. in a rhythm. That, that's what made me think of Platoon and obviously the military connection. All of these VOs right. are directed at his fiance. I guess. They're not married because we meet her in the next scene because now we're in Fort Dix, New Jersey, present day. And I was so excited to get out because I was like, I don't want to watch a show where we're just in war. I just thought, ugh. Too grim for you. No, it's just, I don't, I don't care. You don't care about war. I don't care. It's so boring. Oh, you saved some children. Move on. <laughs> Let's get yeah. out of here. Back to civilian life where it's exciting. It just looks so dark and grimy. And I don't care. Oh, Come you would have loved Millennium. Yeah, that's, prob- that's, prob- that's it, probably why I didn't wa- like watch it. It is very just like... 
dim gray is the only color. Yeah, I was just, all right, move on. As soon as the sun came out the next thing, I was like, yeah, thank goodness. Yeah, it's very sunny and shiny. I really like, actually, when we go, everything's introduced with those intertitles, Fort Dix, New Jersey, present yeah. day. And then, like, the music is all by Mark Snow. It's so who X-Files, does the X-Files. Right? The whole show feels like it's an episode of the X-Files. Yeah. In fact, and, and, and it's shot in, in an oh, it's almost exactly. Like, like there's way. this weird, I don't even, I, a cinematographer would know, but uh, there's sort of a floating camera that is the same the X-Files always uses. Yeah, it, it just feels like an episode of the X-Files. If, and you just keep going, how come the interesting characters aren't showing up? <laughs> if this had kept going on, I would be surprised if it crossed over. I mean, Millennium crossed over with X-Files. Like, I think Chris Carter intended all of his shows to be set within right. the same world. Anyway, Hobbs is talking about how he's going to retire from the army now. Like, he's it's his like, like last mission's almost done. Yeah. We're meeting his wife, Sophie, or his fiance Sophie. They're going to move to California together. We get some back nudity. Things get real sexy yeah. <laughs> when she <laughs> takes off her wedding dress because he does too superstitious. But after that, there's a knock on the door. One more mission. Yeah. And she's like, why? Why are you going? He's like, I got to go. I'm a military guy. Right. I mean, you make him sound more manly than he yeah. is. Sorry. He is. He is. If I had to recast him uh, as someone exactly. He pretty much looks like Hayden Christensen, doesn't he? Oh, you wasted it when we do that segment now. You yeah. waste when we do a recasting. Well, no, I'll cast someone much better. I'll cast someone with this voice, with that voice. You think Charles Bronson? Like- it's gonna be Charles Bronson. That'd be amazing. You think he looks like Hayden Christensen? I thought a little bit. Oh, interesting. Like like his stand-in. Yeah, that's that was his original. His show. double. His double. He's he's dragged off to this military base where he has a big fancy military dinner uh, with, and I was hugely excited about this. Lance Hendrickson, Bishop from Aliens. And also for Millennium, yeah, as the general, uncredited apparently. Yeah, there's two, there, and there's two cameos in this. I know. I was wondering if you noticed the second. Yeah, one. I did. Um, but lo- there's this this scene here. I don't know if it's this or the next when they're talking. Um, and old Millennium guy says uh, says to Tom, "It's it's one of my favorite cuts in the show." He says, "You want to know why you're here?" And then they cut to just pancakes being piled up. Yeah, it was crazy. I was like, "What? That was the that was that's how you transition to the next shot." They're they're there, and there's so many like that. The craziest dinner yeah. to have this conversation. And they're basically... It's a, it's a bunch of military toughs and like, let's have pancakes. Let's have a nice <laughs> pancake dinner. It'd be good. They're, they're basically having this dinner talking about, oh, just before you retire, they make it sound really casual. They're like, this is a thing we do with everybody. We've got this simulation where we like test war scenarios called Harsh Realm. And we want you to go in. And they literally say this. We want you to go in and beat the high score. Yeah. And I'm just like, there's a high score in this there's, game? We're going to have to get into this. There's so many issues with this whole, like, the mil- the concept that the military has, how the game works, everything. But, yeah, so they, they for whatever reason, have decided they have to trick him as opposed to, I don't know. Just, just having, asking him? Just asking or having volunteers or... Uh, there's so many other ways they can do this, but they have to trick him into playing this game for whatever reason. Yeah, it's very funny because no one who worked on the show clearly played had ever played a video game because they talk about they want you to beat this soldier named santiago's high score and he asks how he does that and they're like oh you you kill him i'm like well that's not how high scores work but that's okay no that's how high scores work if you it's, if you kill the person who had the previous high it's score a, it's like a highlander situation yeah exactly <laughs> anyway they take him in and they're like just watch this video tutorial it'll tell you how to play which i'm like oh that's like in a video game there's you'll be some sort of tutorial it's not a tutorial they just it's just it's exposition. Just the game. 
they uh, this video plays and it tells them the game was made using the 1990 census which is would just be like one country sentences census not the entire world right. and with satellite topography they've created the world populated with all real people who exist so it's exactly yeah. like our world and uh, this is where the other cameo happens. Yeah, Gillian Anderson. Yeah, Gillian Anderson's voice narrating the video. You know these were these were just he just was desperate for these favors. And they're like, yes, well, Chris, we'll come by. And- yeah, I think they're all. Fr- he must be a likable guy. People keep coming back to work with him. They must have been like, absolutely, I'll show up. Yep, he's got to have something going for him. What do you think it is? I don't know. I just think it's dirt on everybody. No, I no, no, I think you're right. I think he's probably very nice. I I think at one time he was seen as like this new wonder kid of, you know, the X-Files was such a big hit. But each of his shows after have been like yeah, diminishing it, returns. It right? hasn't it hasn't worked out to be true. But right. I guess he was in that sort of pre-TV era where he was trying continuity, like things right. weren't necessarily all standalone. So he, he was on the forefront of something, but it just didn't didn't right. happen for him, I, I would guess. But anyway, he's watching this video. It abruptly cuts out, and when he he's confused and the building starts to shake, and when he leaves the room, the whole base is abandoned, and he's in Harsh Realm, I guess? Yeah, he's I now, mean, he is, but well, he's how? In, well, that's the thing. It's like, it doesn't, yeah, they don't explain because you don't ever see anything happen. Um, like his eyes don't even flutter. You know what I mean? There's just, there's no indication. It's just uh, some sort of something visually, I guess, has put him into this world and, or he's hypnotized or something, but he's in the, in this world. But I was kind of really hoping that the harsh realm would at least look different than our world. I know that they want it to base it on the world night. Obviously I know why you want it to. It's how the mil- yeah. It's like this is a war game for worst case scenario. Right. So you want the real world. I don't know, but, but yeah, it would just there's be no nice visual to, effect. That's what I mean. It would just be something to make it so you don't have to keep throwing up the little harsh realm at the bottom of the screen, which they have to do like eighty five yeah, times. An they episode. really. I mean, just like the X Files, they like to tell you where you are, so they always put up the intertitle as to where you've gone. But when you're in the video game, it throws up like New York City, harsh realm, harsh realm. But but they go they cut back and forth so often that. They constantly have to keep putting harsh realm. Well, that's, I mean, that's Chris Carter's favorite thing to do is like put up an intertitle. Like that's the X-Files is like that nonstop. It's very funny that he just loves that device. Yeah, I didn't know exactly how he got in. Did you catch this? It's got lots of those classic Chris Carter things like the chair he's sitting in when he starts watching the turtle has like words carved into it. Yeah, I wrote down what they were and I can't remember what the significance was, but they said siege and perilous were the two words. Yeah, I don't think they mean anything. That's, they're just kind of like... No, I, I bet they do. I bet I bet it's a call back to something. Well, good thing you wrote them down. So when they happen in episode seven, we'll right. be like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, um, we're going to watch the clues. So there's unlock uh, the mystery. And I don't I think it's here when like like a, oh, he basically knows he's in a harsh realm because like there's a battle happening. It's a military battle. And a guy comes into the room he's in um, yeah. with gun. And what I love is old Tom. He's hiding up in the rafters. It's that like classic, you go into a room, where is he? Well, he's hiding above you because people don't have vision, 360 vision, but um, or 180, I suppose. Um, but it just reminded me of the 1966 Batman movie where Batman is getting chased by, I think it's Catwoman or someone like that, and he just runs up a ladder, and she's like just standing at the bottom of the ladder like, where is he? He can just look up. He would see you, but... Anyways. Well, I mean, and it begs the question, that ceiling's very high. How, how did, how he, did get he get up there? I know. Nobody he's ba- knows. He's, he's Batman. He jumped up there. Uh, there's a lot of like that in the series where it's just like, how did that happen? Yeah. Don't don't worry about it too much. 
you jump down and this guy will catch him who turns out to be other series lead pinocchio his name we'll find out is pinocchio pinocchio he's also a soldier that was sent into harsh realm so so what we're getting to at this part so the main character's name is thomas hobbs yeah obviously the philosopher thomas hobbs yeah um and we've got pinocchio i don't remember what his first name is i'm assuming he's geppetto and then later on we have a character named john cabot who's an explorer so i don't know if if there's actually an idea behind this or he's it's the uh, semblance of an idea that I, he has. I think it's a lot like lost where people are named john locke or like right. you're trying to build this mystery to be deeper by filling characters out with like historical figures right. who might deepen it even though it has no direct connection i yeah. mean I, I thought the same thing i did think it was really funny that that character's name is pinocchio and i guess only for the joke that he's in a vr world but he's a real boy that's that's oh it. i didn't even think of that he, he's a real boy pinocchio is a real boy yeah i just thought every time they say it it's funny it is very funny to name a character pinocchio very yeah. funny yeah because it's only evocative of one thing which is the boy who can't lie or his nose grows. Yeah. Like you might as well have called a character Hitler. Oh, it's Steve Hitler. Like you can't do that because it's it's funny every time because we all know who Hitler is. That's a hell of a one-to-one corollary. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what I'm saying is Pinocchio was, you know, responsible for the genocide of he, millions yeah. of people. I gotcha. I'm following your conspiracies. Yeah. Just like this show, you're full of conspiracies. Yeah. And I'm, that, that's about as deep. Uh, Pinocchio robs Hobbes, I guess. He takes his wedding ring. Like, uh, I would say that's his, Hobbes' one character trait is he, he loves his fiance. Yeah, they, they make that very clear. It, Repeatedly. His, well, so we should say, and I don't know how clear we've been. So the military has put him in this game, although they, it's not even really that clear in this, in this episode. He's been put in there against his will with the understanding that even though he's been put there against his will, He's going to go and find and kill Santiago because he assumes that he's going to be able to get out of Harsh Realm. And why he really wants to get out of Harsh Realm is so he can meet his... Uh, go back to his Go fiance. back to his fiance, right? Yeah. But I don't know if any of that those stakes work or the motivations make sense. Because what you find is a whole bunch of people populated there are other military people that are also on the same quest that haven't succeeded. It feels like 50% of the population of Harsh Realm is a real person who's been put into it by the military to kill Santiago, they've all given up. They've all started lives with virtual characters in Harsh Yeah, they've been there so long that they've 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 started lives. Some and of them had children. Yeah. And like what we'll find out in future episodes, like episode two, so like one guy becomes a bounty hunter. Like he's just adjusted to his life Ever, there. Yeah, it's 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 very weird. Like you you mentioned here, the military, which is Santiago's military in this world, attacks them. We see the first guy get killed, and he just kind of like some some guys running along the military shoots him, and he kind of glitches out. Like he just ceases right. to exist. Yeah, we see the first, and the, and here's another thing, and and maybe you have the answer for this. This is the first time we see that if someone dies. They kind of get all glitchy and they fade away. And later on, we're going to find out that if you die in Harsh Realm... You die in the real world. You die in the real world. Classic. So here's the thing. Half the population... Let's not even say that. Let's say 25% of the population are military people. Some have died. Some have not died. The rest are computer-generated people. They call them... They call them VCs. They're short for virtual characters. Right. So all the VCs, they don't know there are these characters 
um, I'm, and the assumption is that the real people that are in the game don't have conversations with them explaining that they're not real, but these people must see other people dying. And every time they die, virtual character or not, they do go they glitchy. just disappear. So like, is that written into their code that they just go, that's what people look like when they die? I Did guess you? so. I guess that's what's normal to them. Because wouldn't that, wouldn't that raise all the questions like, wait a minute, that person just glitched out. Like, this is the Matrix? Well, I, I think we'll get into this more as we go because they are occasionally told this is in the real world. This is funny. They're called VCs. The video games already have a nomenclature for non-player characters, NPCs. Yeah. So they just made up a new, like could have just used NPCs, but like they do feel like a computer game NPC in that they've kind of got a dialogue tree and you can talk to them, but they're basically dumb. Right. Like anytime they're confronted with things, they can understand that things are weird, but they just seem to be like, oh, that's weird. Oh, well. Yeah. And they just sort of shrug it off. And I don't know if we've mentioned this and, and maybe it's not important at this point, but Santiago is another military guy who's in the game for some reason. He's essentially become a dictator. He's like a sort of Colonel Kurtz. Yeah, he's like know, a character. benevolent dictator. Yeah, and, and he's created a world here, and that's why the military wants to get rid of him. But to be fair, if he's like playing the game, he's really winning the game. Like he's he's taken over oh. like what is conceivably larger than a city, right? Like, well, we'll let's get into it. We'll keep okay. going because we're gonna meet him soon. Hobbs is running away from this military shooting, and when he looks back, he sees that his buddy Waters is in charge of this military unit. It's his friend from that the kids blew away. Yeah. The beginning of the show. It's the guy he saved at the beginning of the show. He waves at him to get his attention. He's like, oh, hey, there's my friend. Immediately gets shot. And then this mute woman comes out of nowhere and like places her hands on his wound and it like instantly heals, Mm -hmm. which they play as it's like a very magical thing that happens. But I was like, well, I don't know anything about this world, but I know it's a video game, so that's not a huge surprise that you'd be able to do that. Well, it's maybe the only magical thing we're going to see in a world where you would think in a video game, like that sort of stuff would kind of happen, like you mentioned, but there's very little that is not a real world scenarios, with the exception of this woman healing. And I, But let me make one little note that I think is funny. She's the first female character written by, assuming men, a female character that they don't have to give any lines to because they've just made her mute. So instead of the problem we've had in all the other series of like, what do we do with, uh, what do we do with Pam or what do we do with whatever call? Oh, that's easier. Just, just make them a mute. That's true. Usually they uh, don't know what to do with those side female characters anyway. Yeah, no, it's great. You just have her there. She just don't give her any lines. She just doesn't have to talk. Yeah. That's, that is very funny. I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. That is something we've seen a lot of and they've really just solved their own problem. Solved the problem. By not giving her any lines. Yeah. Good work, you guys. <laughs> yeah. She's a healer. Hobbs is better. I don't know how he gets away from the military. They don't really like this thing. The next time we see him, he's kind of wandering back to his old neighborhood. Yeah, how did he? So you assume it's a far way to go, and he would have. They just like cut, like he's just gone back home, and you can see that things have not gone well. They're in this world. Yeah, it's like a post-apocalyptic kind of world. Like everything's on fire. But he's all surprised. It's like, but you must have just walked all that distance. Oh, you must well, have seen something else along the way. Yeah, to let you, you know things are not, not had the same. to walk back to your suburb from this military base. You clearly saw something was wrong. But at this point, he goes back to his house. And we get what I'm shocked to find is a running character on the show. Yeah, I know. He, he finds his dog, Dexter, this little Jack Russell Terrier. Very cute. A very cute. This dog is a character. Is a character. Like he's a full fledged character on the yeah. show. Yeah, and, and I, I can't I think it's in the next episode. He he's almost he's almost like Lassie or like Lilith Hobo in this. Like he's like he helps out. <laughs> That's what I mean by the tone's insane. Like it could be grim. There's a character who's a dog. 
yeah. like that will get scenes and by himself. Well, that's the thing. The dog is like, oh, it's fun. It's a cute dog. But then they constantly mention on the show, constantly, how you'd be like, better watch out for the dog. Someone's going to eat him. They say that all, the, they say at least like 10 times. Yeah, they keep saying, like, that comes up next because they walk, he walks from his house to this heavy metal church. It's like a yeah. church is went into a bar that's just playing heavy metal. That's uh, where he runs into Pinocchio again, and he pulls a gun, and everyone pulls guns on him, yeah. and Pinocchio says the line, put your gun away, or you die, and I eat your dog, which is the first time they reference that. But also, when he says, I eat your dog, they cut to a reaction shot of the dog, <laughs> and the dog's like, <laughs> yeah. like, the dog makes a noise and like makes a shrug. Hey, he doesn't want to be eaten. The tone is insane. Like, there are... It like is Scooby Doo cutaways. Yeah, uh, but again, on a show that I've described very bleak. It's brown and gray, and everyone is just, huh, I'm gonna eat your dog. But then they have weird shots like that, and you're like, what is this show? It's weird cutaways. I want to ask you this too, since you brought up the idea of eating the dog, because we'll see people eating a lot, not a lot, but occasionally <laughs> in the show. Yeah. Why? They're not real. I I know. They're like, so we'll eat your dog. There's no food in this post office. It's like Pinocchio. You're a human in a virtual world. You know you don't need to eat. Anything you eat here does nothing for your body. I don't know. It's really weird. There's a, there's a lot there's a lot of problems with Harsh Realm. It does feel like not everything was thought through completely. And have we mentioned that they've stated explicitly once you're in this game you can't get out. So, I guess that's the stakes. If you kill Santiago, you somehow get out of the game because somehow he's running it now even though he's just playing the game. Yeah, it's it's very confusing. They get into it uh, a little bit, but yeah, there's apparently no way out. Why? But Hobbs is so committed. He's like, I'm just gonna kill Santiago. That was what my mission was. Like, he's so committed to his mission. Yeah, he's just like a he's a real military guy. They like, they told me to do it. Like, but they tricked you. Oh, I don't know. They I told know. me to do they it. They lied to you and told you to high score, and now you're in this nightmare world. <laughs> yeah, he's really sticking to it. Uh, Pinocchio offers to help him get to Santiago for some reason. Where they drive him to the perimeter of Santiago City. Yeah. Which is uh, just Vancouver skyline. Yeah. Uh, it was nice to see. But I like to think. It's nice to see. <laughs> I like to think that Santiago took over Vancouver because it like the mountains and the ocean. Yeah. He really liked it. And they just renamed it Santiago City. So it's playing itself. And it's got all your things you'd, you'd expect for a new dictator. He's got his uh, Che Guevara esque poster up with that just says Santiago for the people or something like that. Yeah. You know, he's got a lot, it's very, a lot of military dictatorship yeah. kind of stuff going on. It is great. Uh, the entire city's surrounded by a fence, but he can get in because there's a glitch in the software that Pinocchio knows about, which just allows him to like walk through the fence. Yeah. I, it's, it's just, it's one of those, like, I'm, I'm fine with it, whatever. It's a, it, it's a little coincidence that it gets you out of something, but yeah, it's just like, Oh, there's a glitch. What's the glitch? And get through this fence. Oh, okay. You just walk through this fence. It's a glitch in the software. Yeah. I want to know who figured out that. Like, who, how does Pinocchio know? Who knows? How do they find these glitches? Uh, yeah, I think he's just been all day. He just takes rocks and throws them at things. Throws them. See if things go through. Yeah. He's Here, killed He's killed a lot, a lot of, uh, the, what do they call them? NCs? VCs. VCs. He killed a lot of those. Just throwing rocks at him. See if he <laughs> can get through. Uh, glitch. Yeah. <laughs> Hobbs goes through this fence into Santiago City. And of course... He brings the dog with him because that's a smart thing to do. But the dog gets his own scene now. Mm -hmm. He goes up and distracts a guard so that Hobbs can knock him out and steal his clothing. And then we jump cut and somehow Hobbs, I guess he found a phone book 
and found out where his buddy Waters lives in this whole giant metropolis. There's a there's a lot of that where it's just like I know like you don't want to see someone all these kind of like shoe leather scenes, but they're they're jarring in this show where it's like yeah right he like gets to the fence and then he's like uh he's on the up in the apartment building like, yeah he's suddenly in he suddenly only broke it into this guy's apartment yeah it's like it's like the size of new york city and he just he gets off the train and goes uh where does steve live boom he's there it's like come yeah. on and waters uh, was given the same mission um he, he couldn't kill santiago so now he's working for him he kind of gives a bit of an exposition about um how santiago is in control of everything and like why don't they just kill Santiago in real life then they're like oh we don't know where he is he's the only guy who can come and go from Harsh Realm which like so is Harsh Realm hosted on the cloud well that's they just unplug the computer well that's the thing they keep saying like and I don't know if they'll they'll explain this later I have a feeling they won't but that's what we mentioned earlier is that Santiago is somehow playing this game I'm assuming remotely and the military wants him out why I think they say that he wants he wants to destroy the real world and keep that comes up it. later. Yeah, there's some indication but, he has some sort of plan, but like he apparently he controls the ability to leave the game. Yeah, he's the uh, only one who can leave. Which how does that work? I mean, maybe I we'll find out. It, it's really weird. Like I just kept thinking, I'm like, there's got to be a computer used to unplug somewhere. And, like, well, they the yeah. Well, over. that's the thing. They they just want to set it up that he's this unbeatable unbeatable villain right it's a it's a hard sell and i think maybe the hard probably the hardest part for people when they tried to watch it is just there seems to be so many outs for like this idea that this man controls this vr yeah. world like cool we'll just stop sending people in and then he controls a vr world that nobody's in i don't know if it's now but you'll see a shot i think it's actually the last shot of this episode spoiler and it's just a shot of hundreds of beds, which are people who are either yeah, hundreds of soldiers that are connected to the, this game. They've all got wires yeah. running into their and head. And it's like, yeah, stop, well, stop, stop sending them. It's like being the the richest guy in, in one room. You're the best at World of Warcraft. Yeah, it's like, all right, let's everyone stop playing. Cool, that'll look great on my Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just it's a weird thing, but apparently it's very important for the yeah, military. Yeah, there's, I mean, maybe they'll get into it. Maybe there's some. St- I mean, they imply there might be some, but it just, it does feel like, who cares if he controls this fake world? I mean, nobody's in it. Anyway, they explain that at this point, Waters kind of tries to shoe Hobbs out because his wife's about to come home. And Uh, yeah, and we find out who's his wife. In walks a VC version of Hobbs's fiance. Sophie. Sophie. Which is, here's the thing. It is kind of a douchey move. Like if I went into a virtual virtual world and then I started dating your girlfriend. Come on, man. I, there's all these other fake virtual people to find. It's to... true. I mean, it really does say like, oh, I kind of I kind of always liked your fiance. And now that I'm in this virtual world and she's not attached to you, maybe I'll take her out on a date kind of thing. But I, but Hobbs's reaction is insane. He treats her as if she is the actual he, woman. He flips out. He's like, you're my fiance. And she's just like, what? No, I, I'm married to him. And yeah. I, I'm just like, Hobbs, you understand how this world works. You know this is a simulation. She has yeah. no idea who he starts showing her pictures of himself and her together. And she's like, what are you doing? And then he just kidnaps her. Like, yeah. like a jealous ex-boyfriend, he forces her out of the apartment and like kidnaps her. It is like unhinged. He is yeah. unhinged. Yeah. Well, but yeah, he thinks, I guess he's going to convince her. That that the world is not a real world, but I don't know how that has anything well, to do with how well, any any how that affects his real life because it it, yet she's not it's real. Not his is it's not his fiance. It just like, looks it, like her. It's not like she has amnesia and forgot. This is not flesh and blood. She's nothing. 
Anyway, he kidnaps her, forces her out of Santiago City. They drive off with Pinocchio to this boat that's going to South America because I guess Santiago's reach doesn't go that far to San to South America so people are fleeing there I don't know why and there's also one part where he's when he's um, abducting her and they get to that fence again and she goes to him I can't cross that fence and I, and oh, I yeah. thought I thought oh because she's like she'll, I thought she'll, this too. She'll, she'll evaporate whatever it's like no, no she just can't well, she can she goes she goes across she it goes no, nothing uh, yeah all she just meant morally <laughs> she can't because there's a she has a tracking device on her uh, and when she leaves it like an alarm goes off and I've forgot all about this pinocchio has to like she opens her shirt up and there's like a metal plate with a barcode on it yeah. like just under her skin which they they have to rip out of her so they can't track her it's yeah. a really silly silly idea. Yeah, it's, a, it's a pretty easy way to get around it too i mean it's a simulation why can't santiago just leave look at a computer and say type in type in where did this lady go dear or, google where is she in or, or he could just apparently just type in Put the tracker back on her. Yeah, just Change type the code. in the code. Is not a person. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's very silly. But yeah, they go to this boat. For it's so weird. They go to this boat going to South America. Because I guess Hobbs is going to get on it, but then he gives up very easily. And not Hobbs. Sorry, Pinocchio is going to get on this boat, and then Hobbs convinces VC Sophie. She's like, "You need to get on this boat. You need to follow your heart and yeah. trust me and get on this boat." And I'm like. A, she's not in any danger. Like well, you she kid- wasn't. Before. You kidnapped her. I mean, you put her in a little bit of danger. She's not that much danger. See, follow her heart. You're a crazy person who just kidnapped her. Like, why would she listen to you? But he just keeps imploring it, and she's just like, "Okay, sounds good." That's why I think the I think the VCs aren't like very bright. That's what I'm telling. I, I think myself. you're giving it too much credit. I, I, I think it's just easy because they just wanted her to be like, "Oh, he's tr- his will is so strong that he's just convinced her." Well, I just think it's just like. If she searches her heart, even in his virtual world, she knows she's in love with him. Yeah. This person she's never met, according to the rules of this universe. The rules that are flimsy at best. Flimsy at best. Anyway, uh, the military attacks and they stop the boat and they catch Hobbs and they catch Sophie. So nobody gets away anyway. It's at this point that like we finally get to meet Omar Santiago because Hobbs is dragged to him. And this is more for the listener. I want you in your mind to really quickly picture what a character named Omar <laughs> Santiago looks like. What would that casting be like? I would think I would if it was me, I'd cast someone with an Irish name. Yeah. <laughs> the most that's what that's what Chris Carter went with. He decided to whitewash his own character yeah. by casting Terry O'Quinn. Well, here's uh, that best, is, best known as John Locke from right. Lost, which is funny because I thought the same thing. It's like you can call the character anything you want. You can call it John O'Quinn. Call him Santiago. Why not cast someone that seems like they would have that name? Well, they kind of made up for it by making Terry O'Quinn grow a pencil-thin Latino mustache. Yeah. Because that fixes your really racist problem. Yeah. It was... I, I thought it was so dumb. Um, I have to say, though, things are better in, in Santiago's world. I remember at one point going, oh, they have chicken. Other people are eating dogs out there. Oh, yeah. Santiago has, he's like a benevolent dictator. He's like built a beautiful world for those people who follow mm-hmm. him. And if you don't follow him, you live in squalor. And that's kind of what we learned about him here is that sort of what's happening. And we get this scene where Santiago wants, now that he knows Hobbes wants Sophie, he's going to try to get Sophie to like 
warm him up to joining uh, San Diego's side. And to do that, he has Waters beating her for some reason. Yeah, I know. It's like it was really gross. And it's like I know he's like he's hitting his own fiance. At one point, you see he's like, "That's enough." Like he has to tell him to stop hitting her. Yeah, I so, I, but I'm just like, "What is the like?" You're trying to convince her to come to your side I by know. smacking her around and stopping her. And it's great because at this point, this is the first time we get a sense of what VCs like, what Sophie the VC knows about the real world. Because she says, "Does this mean the rumors of the other worlds are true?" Mm-hmm. And then really drops a bomb here when she says, "Hobbs must be the savior from legend." Yeah. I was like, whoa, there's a savior mythology in Harsh Realm, mm-hmm. and it's Hobbes? Yeah. A really crazy, like, that's a really weird addition to what is already, like, a difficult concept to pull off. We're already having to deal with a virtual world, government conspiracy, and now there's, like, a mythical savior? I mean, the world's not that different from our own, so by doing this, it just means the real world's also magical, I guess? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's really... It's a lot to put on a first episode. I'll say that much. Uh, this also gets confirmed because we cut back to Heavy Metal Church, mm. uh, where Pinocchio's hanging out, and if you were wondering where the dog was, I guess Pinocchio's had him the whole time, because yeah. that's what this show does now. Like, you'll lose track of the dog for several scenes, and then you'll like He'll just show up with the cut character. away. You're like, oh, I guess he was just hanging out with that character all the time. But the mute, the mute woman shows up and she writes a note to Pinocchio saying, "It's him, like doubling down that this guy's the savior." Yeah. So, which, which, by the way, he's given no indication. Oh, there's he's no, he's, he's not being effective. He's not done anything. He's not Neo. He hasn't done yeah. anything special. But this means that Pinocchio and the mute woman like launch some sort of rescue mission where they glitch. Right into the heart. Yeah, I like that part of San Diego's base. I'm it's a great like, scene. They're like, there's uh, army guys walk by, and then just as they pass, they go like, and they come through like, yeah, thin air. They like they emerge. just yeah, emerge through thin air. But I was like, oh, that's convenient. Yeah, there was these- a glitch right there, which I guess the glitch was, I you would guess on some floor high up in the hotel. I'm like, so they just went through the wall uh, they oh. scaled the building and went through I or there's assumed, or there's now like wormhole type tunnels. i assumed it was a wormhole glitch right and i was just like which which you know what i'd be fine with it just like explain that and then great we have oh. wormhole because they'll take us to different dimensions or different It'd places be great. cool sure I, I mean i think it makes it a lot harder for santiago to remain in charge seems like it's real easy to kill him if you can just yeah. glitch in everywhere but that's okay anyway they bust in they save hobbs Hobbs can't leave till he saves VC Sophie and she's very happy to go with him because now she knows he's the savior and she's just like tickled tickled to be leaving with the savior but it doesn't really go very well it doesn't because Waters sort of runs in and he has a clear shot at them and he chooses to shoot Sophie so VR's VC Sophie She's dead in the first episode. Yeah, she glitches out and she's gone. Fades away. But don't worry, that actress will still be around. Yeah, she'll she'll be back. She'll be back. And that that kind of where this episode, they rescue him. VC Sophie dies. And we get a cutaway to seeing Hobbs on a bed with wires running to his head where Jordan mentioned they pull back and you see it's a hundreds or thousands of military guys are hooked up to this simulation. And, And the thing is, so that's the pilot. And you go, isn't this a world you want to spend time in? And you're like, I don't know if i do it's a lot of what works we're talking about i only really know because i watched the second episode too which gives a little bit more information you kind of get a little bit more and i do think this show probably is going to be something where 
things kind of get explained a little bit more or at least tightened up as we go along. But as a pilot, if you just watch that one episode, you'd be like, oh, I don't really get what this is. Oh, yeah. Because it, 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 you're saying the tone's kind of all over the place. The characters aren't terribly interesting and it's convoluted and confusing. And visually, it's kind of just dark and grimy. So yeah, it's, like, you it's know? a tough, it, it's definitely a tough pilot. There's too much stuff. Most of it doesn't click. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Even together sometimes. So any any quick post thoughts on this episode before we move on to the second one? Not not really. I think episode two is interesting because we can kind of look at what the show is going to become. All right, let's move on to episode two. Episode two, Leviathan. We're on the run from Omar Santiago, a renegade soldier who hijacked the computer program that runs this world. It was Santiago the military sent me here to kill. Their fear of him is real and great, though I have yet to understand why if all of this is just imaginary. Bounty hunters capture Hobbes and Pinocchio. Sophie searches for the truth after being told Hobbes is dead. It's funny. My first note um, was, this really sounds and is starting like it's a Mo- Moby music video. Then I looked it up. Yeah. It's, it's a Moby song. It starts on a Moby song. Yeah. So I was like, oh, well, good good for me. But it, But even like this episode, I was actually kind of excited because it it had this real sepia tone to it, and I thought, oh, at least it's gonna have a different look to it. it they like someone made a note, like guys, uh, this brown, you know. Um, and this episode is, you know, as we, go, I actually like this episode better than the first episode, but I was more excited at the beginning that it, they were gonna kind of uh, change courses on some things that didn't work. Right, right. Well, I mean, yeah, it opens. It's kind of odd. Yeah, it opens with Moby. Uh, there's a Great Depression esque family living there in Harsh Realm. This sleazy salesman shows up and starts like peppering yeah. them with like questions about something or another. But it's all kind of a cover because he's working with a bounty hunter who's looking for their dad. And this guy is, I guess, a military guy who yeah. started a family in Harsh Realm and there's a bounty on him. For some reason. For some reason. And he pulls out a shotgun to shoot the bounty hunter. But the bounty hunter has what I've been calling a pause gun. Yeah. He shoots the guy, and it's like when you pause a VHS, like the guy just kind of like freezes with like a little glitch running through him. So he like freezes the yeah. bounty he's after. So, Very and what they, what they never showed was what I was hoping for is after he freezes someone, like he picks them up and like puts them in the back of his truck or something, and they're still frozen in that. That's what I was hoping, but you never get to see they that. Never, yeah, they never show how that works, but like he clearly moves them when they're paused. Yeah. The two guys, the fake salesman and the bounty hunter, who are, I guess they're both bounty hunters really, better show if it was those two guys. There's nothing particularly interesting about them other than they kind of look interesting. And just based on that, they're more interesting than our lead characters of the show. And I would follow a show about a bounty hunter in this weird virtual real, virtual world. You'd also learn more about the world. But the little uh, character thing they give him is for some reason, the one bounty hunter has uh, an ear like a, he either can't hear or he has for some like reason put something aid. in his ear. And so he always has to keep turning the volume up. But what's funny about it is like that's his character trait for some reason. Like he. He's, someone says something, he goes, what? And he has to, and he ups his uh, thing in his ear. But he's always asking people questions. And then when they respond, he goes, what? And then he turns it up. And I was like, why not just turn it up before you ask the question? He does. It happens like four times in the show. Yeah, that is something that have, it doesn't matter overall. It doesn't matter at all. It's just, it's a, just a, it's a character just a, trait. Yeah, it's just like this guy uh, has a hearing thing. Oh, yeah. oh, how about that? Sure, why not? So after this cold open, I'm going to take us out for a second. The show's structure emerges. 
there's basically like an a plot that happens in harsh realm where we follow hobbs pinocchio mute woman their dog and then a b plot that's happening in reality which follows his fiance sophie so you kind of will bounce back and forth between them and it's be nice for us because the plots don't really cross over. They're sort of standalone. But what was fun is, did, uh, did you catch this when they move between one world and the next? Like when they're transitioning between them? The weird they, the weird little transition they thing? They do like this wipe with like this yeah. like digital breakup. It's like we're wiping between the digital world yeah, and the real world. I did. Um, I, I, I thought that was all right. And also I did think this, the actual structure of this episode made it a much more watchable show. Yeah. I thought it... You, it it was more clear what was happening, where we were, and I think this is probably was a little bit of a retool after the pilot. Yeah, well, I'm going to start us actually with the reality plot with Sophie because it's just really quick and we can get through it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what happens when Hobbs isn't there. Like, Sophie goes to Fort Dix, wants to know what happens to him. Yeah, because if we remember where she was left, she literally was just with her husband or fiancé. He left for supposedly just like a meeting and just never came back. Yeah. And so she's like going to the military. Like, where did he go? And they say he was killed in action in whatever mission he was in, at which point we jump to a funeral. She's having a very sparsely attended funeral for him. Yeah. But we do finally get into the X-Files of the show mm-hmm. when a mysterious government woman shows up to the funeral and kind of gives her some cryptic answers. Yeah, she's very deep throat. And then hands her Pinocchio's dog tags and tells her to follow these to the truth. Uh, which leads Sophie to Pinocchio's wife, who kind of tells her she did something similar, didn't get any answers, but found out most of his squadron is also missing. So she's kind of suspicious now. It's really tough, though. That scene, it's I think it's probably a combination of the writing, but it was tough to watch. Like It was so melodramatically acted. Well, what I really liked in that scene was um, her, her, the, so it's Sophie talking to Pinocchio's ex-wife or whoever she is. And then Pinocchio, I guess it's Pinocchio. His son comes in and he's just like, mom. And he, what, what he's, what he's shocked at apparently is just that his mom has company. I did. It was just, it was too. like, that was weird. Like he was really shocked that someone was there. I'm like, why couldn't you just have someone over? Yeah, why your, you? your mother has a life too. She has friends. I, I thought the exact same thing when that happened. Cause the kid was so shocked. Yeah. He was shocked. Someone talking to his mother. Yeah. You know, she's a human being too, Chad. Jesus Christ, Chad. Yeah. Uh, Chad, Chad Pinocchio. Uh, anyway, Sophie doesn't get any answers, so she demands his body be exhumed from the grave. And they just do. I love that they go, no, no, you're going to dig up his body. And the military goes, all right, all right. We, I mean, got, we got nothing to hide. They've got it covered because they crack open the coffin and there's just a burnt corpse inside. Yeah. When they're like, and she's just like, oh, okay. It's like, yeah, it's a burnt corpse. It doesn't tell you anything. Uh, at this point, the mil- the mysterious government shows up again. And it's really funny because she's just like, why did you do that? Like, they're going to cover it up. He's like, she's, he's like, no, I told them to do DNA tests. And she's and the government's later is like, yeah, they're going to give you lies. That's why I'm trying to I'm trying to explain that. But, but to what you. I also like, though, the, the mysterious woman, whatever her name is, she's just like, why would you do it that way? And what I would have said if I was in the situation, I'd be like, well, you didn't tell me what to do. You yeah, can't be like, she's like, you can't get angry at me. Give give me no roadmap. And then being like, why would you do it that way? It's like, well, tell me how to do it. You're the one who got all cryptic and told me my husband yeah. wasn't dead. Yeah, exactly. You, you make a good point, actually. I, I think you're right. She did the right thing. Yeah, I agree. Team Sophie. Team Sophie. <laughs> I'm way more Team Sophie than Team Tom. Or okay. or Team Bland. Tom Hobbs. So. More like more like Liver World. <laughs> <laughs> Callback. Uh, Callback. 
the mysterious government lady kind of gives her more cryptic warnings, but she also at this point tells her, I can get a message to your husband yeah. wherever he is, which unfortunately adds a new VO to the show. Yeah. Basically, in the same way that Hobbs talks to Sophie in these VOs, all the VOs are like messages to her he's having in his mind. Now Sophie's getting monologues in VO as if she's sending a message to Hobbs. And they're brutal. These these uh these VOs are just painful. Painful. They're they're very difficult. And in this one, like the big twist at the end of the episode in her VO is that she's pregnant. Yeah. Which uh, great. Yeah. Didn't like, see that coming. What a what a what an amazing raising of the stakes. Well, she's a woman. So the only thing she could possibly ever have is stakes, is it? Well, she doesn't have it. Yeah. She apparently doesn't work. She doesn't have anything else going yeah. on, but looking for her missing husband. So yeah. well, maybe she took time off work. She's like, I gotta go uh, exhume my husband. Can I get the afternoon off? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's pretty much it. That's all for the B plot. It's it's maybe yeah. ten minutes of material. So we'll jump into the harsh realm where like the actual action of the episode takes place. In it, they're in a they're in post apocalyptic Pittsburgh tent city. Hobbs, Pinocchio, the mute woman. They're she just still doesn't have a name for some reason. Yeah. They're all on the run. I don't know from what. It's kind of like it feels like a beginning of a Incredible Hulk or something. They're just on the run from the government, I guess. Even though it's not really clear why. But but very soon we're gonna get a, a little phrase that I hope in future episodes will become uh, Pinocchio's catchphrase, which is "Pay at the pump." I just really like that. Pay the pump. And I was like, oh, please keep saying that. That's your thing. Well, that's because he's looking for gas for his car, which I don't think we mentioned. He drives basically Mad Max's yes, car. Yes, he does. That's right. He, he's got like, for some reason crazy post-apocalyptic hot rod. Yeah. And, um, and, and I guess gas is scarce in this game. You know what I would do if I was one of these real people? I would try to figure out how to start manipulating this computer-generated world well, from from the video I, game. I think I figured out why he has that super cool muscle car. He paid for the DLC. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So he, when he started, he didn't have to start from scratch. He got a cool muscle car. The other players didn't pay, so they're still like working they're like, on that they're out. Like, where'd you get that nice pink new suit? He's like, you should have paid the extra 40 bucks. Yeah. Look at me now. <laughs> but yeah, he's looking for gas for his car, which is all just a ploy by the bounty hunter who's actually looking for Pinocchio. And apparently he got information from the farmer he paused. So he pauses Pinocchio as well with his pause gun yeah. and drags him off to his like lair where he's got them tied, like him and the farmer tied up in the basement. And they're, I don't know, interrogating him. I don't know what they're doing. They just, there's, there's no reason. He just puts him down there and they, he's, he, he's like, I'll, I'll think of a plan later. Yeah, I guess. The, the farmer said he had to tell him because he was going to hurt his family. I was just like, all right, that's fine. Yeah. But did you see uh, when Pinocchio's down there, the sleazy salesman the uh, bounty hunter works with gets too close and Hobbs just like cups his balls? Yeah, I, that was funny. <laughs> I was just like, what are you doing? Why are you squeezing him like that? <laughs> that's his what, move. What is that going to help? Yeah, I thought maybe he was trying to butter him up to, you know, maybe more of this. let me know, go now. Yeah. <laughs> um, from this Hobbs and the Mute woman, I'm not entirely sure how they track down where he, the bounty hunter, like they don't even know he's been kidnapped. They're kind of, they're able to track him down. I don't know. They follow tracks, I guess, of the gasoline truck that they drove in. It doesn't matter. It's it no, really doesn't weird. really make sense. But. but they find the house, at which point we get I, what I'm hoping is going to be a prerequisite of every episode, a standalone dog scene. Yeah, it really, yeah, that's true. They're... 
sitting there like, oh, I think they're in that house. And then the camera goes down. And so I'm like, I thought maybe Hobbs asked the dog to do something. But no, the dog just got, went rogue. The dog sneaks into the house and then finds Pinocchio's door. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I thought there was going to be a thing. I'm like, like, okay, boy, I need you to get into the basement. And the dog runs off. But it's like, no, dog's like, all right, you guys just stay here in this peach field. I'll, uh, I'll take care of this. Yeah. The dog on his own goes in there. Has no plan, this dog. He just goes up to the door and starts, like, looking at it. And they find him. The bounty hunter finds him. And then we cut back to Hobbs. And you hear the dog crying because he's been captured. And Hobbs stands up and, like, Lone Wolf runs full speed into the house, guns drawn to save the dog. Yeah. It's insane. Like, he immediately gets captured. Yeah. He throws all caution to the wind. He's like, the dog's in trouble. Well, I I thought, why would the military ever want to put this guy in the game? He's, He's a terrible, terrible soldier. I never thought this would be the case, but I actually feel like this dog is worse than having a kid on the show. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I agree with you on that. He doesn't have any annoying dialogue. The voiceovers are worse than the dog. The voiceovers are worse than the dog. But it, the dogs just, they have to do so much bending over backward to explain why the dog's there. Or when you see two scenes where there's no way the dog could have kept up with them, and then they have to find some excuse for where the dog was. Like, there's so much effort. And then they need to just give dogs scenes. They need to let the dog act for a scene every episode. I don't know. That's what they chose. Uh, so weird. Now that the bounty hunter has both Hobbs and Santiago, sorry, both Hobbs and Pinocchio, uh, I mean, this has been really easy for this bounty hunter so far. Also, can you believe how ridiculous that we have to keep saying Pinocchio? <laughs> I know. It's, it's ridiculous. Like show. I love it when they say Pinocchio. I know. Every time I'm like, guys, Pinocchio? Everyone who's listening, every time we you think we say Pinocchio, every time we describe this character, just imagine a little wooden boy <laughs> yeah, I know. is in the harsh realm. That's the other thing in the DLC. He downloaded the Pinocchio skin. Yeah. So he drives a Mad Max car. He's he got looks little, like a little, wooden uh, puppet. Little, uh, what do you call those German shorts? Yeah. Yeah. Lederhosen? Yeah. Great. <laughs> anyway, the bounty hunter goes to San Diego and he's just like, guess what? I've got your arch nemesis Pinocchio. I've got this new arch nemesis Hobbes. I'm a military guy. I'll trade them with you if you let me out of Harsh Realm. Yeah, because he's like, I've I've heard the rumors that you're able to come and go Harsh Realm as it pleases. I want to get out of here. Like, look at me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like things aren't going so well. Let I me out. am miserable. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of I mean, they don't really work out that deal. He he kind of makes a vague promise. It doesn't really matter. We well, because because the show doesn't want to let you know if he can, he can leave the yeah, game. They're or not. they're teasing whether that's yeah. real or not. We cut back to the basement and Hobbs is mid VO at this point. And the camera's like pushing to the basement. He's mid VO. And as the VO ends, Pinocchio turns to him and says, shut up. Yeah. As if he could hear the VO. I know. And Hobbs looks surprised like, oh, you can read my mind. He's like, I didn't say anything. And Pinocchio's like, I could see it in your eyes. Yeah. What it almost felt like was that they were for a moment. He was the viewer. He's like, oh, stop. But, and, and then I thought, oh, no, it's going to be he can read minds. No, they just. No. I will say it was the one piece of, like, cognizance of how annoying that VO was. Right, to, exactly. In the second episode, have another character tell him to shut up. But I don't think he's but they, going to. But they keep doing it. They keep doing the VOs. It was just, like, they know the VOs are annoying. <laughs> Made me laugh that that was the case. We haven't talked about her so far. 
but uh, the bounty hunter has a girlfriend who's going to come down. But but she and she's your sort of um, classic or traditional like farmer's daughter. That's like the role she's playing. Like he's the there's a the big bad farmer, but she's the person who like you know she's going to let them go. Like she's yeah. like she's already allowing their arguments to kind of ha- hold sway, and she's like, oh really? G- give me more information. It's like you're going to let them go. That's and it, funny. like and it doesn't take. Like Hobbs keeps trying to convince her, but like he doesn't even do a very good. He's pretty clumsy about it. He's like, let me go. Like he doesn't even be. He's not even charming or or suave or manipulative. He's just come on. She, well, no. Do you want to let us go? And she's I like, mean, no. And he's like, come on, let me go. No. I, I wrote on. down she was kind of like like a '40s noir dame or something. Like that's yeah. kind of like not very like aware of what's happening. Very easily manipulated mm. for sure. And it's funny because. Hobbs just keeps talking. It's, he's not even like manipulating her, I don't think. That's what I mean. He just keeps going, well, don't you want to let us go? He doesn't even say that. He's just like, there's a better world out there. You could have a better world. And they, he starts telling her about the real world as if he's implying he can bring her there. Like, it's really weird. But she's a video game. He, But he keeps doing that. He did that with Sophie, too. He kept talking about like the real world and what, how great it is. And he doesn't explicitly say they can all go there. But he seems to imply he keeps like really doing these kind of Jesus-y like. It, it might also be that Hobbes is not very bright and he anything. He, he, doesn't, doesn't, understand. he, doesn't, he doesn't understand how anything's working. That that could be the case. It uh, That's probably what it is. Hobbes just doesn't understand how yeah. where he is or how it works. So is this where we get to the point where. Oh, she. Oh, let me say the the girl. I don't know what her name is. The, the I just the called her Bounty Hunter's girlfriend. Um, when he's telling her about the, the new the real world. Her first question is. Are there flowers there? I'm like, that's what you're worried about? Are there flowers? Like, I'm sure there's flowers somewhere in San Diego's world. I'd be like, what are the chocolate bars like? I don't know. The VCs are weirdly obsessed with this other world. Yeah. (laughs) This is identical. I mean, cutting over a lot of blah, they do get out and they get put in a sewer. Yeah. Well, I mean, finally, the mute woman decides to rescue them. I don't know what she's been doing for what feels like two days. Yeah. But she busts in and gets them out. She's she's the most competent of them, clearly. Yeah. Oh, easily. They're about to get away, except the bounty hunter's girlfriend still has the dog hostage, but she's already been won over, so she like hides them in the back of the gas tank. They're hiding, yeah, they're hiding the back of a gas truck with like gas up to their feet. They should have died from lack of oxygen, but whatever. The military drives in with the bounty hunter to pick up their bounty. They can't find them. So our heroes climb out and they start this truck up and they're going to drive out of there. And before they leave, Hobbs basically tries to talk to the bounty hunter's girlfriend into coming with them. He's like, I'll, I'll yeah. bring you free. I'll get you a better life. And she gets shot and killed. So this is two for two. Blonde women, Hobbs has gotten killed Yeah, by convincing them he's the savior we should uh we should keep a score there so he's over two yeah oh no he's two for two two for two he's got two of them killed it was very weird to have that in your pilot and then also the exact same thing in your second episode a love interest you're going to murder immediately anyway that's about it like they they drive off there's a big explosion and they escape just like the last one they kind of just get away with it Uh, it is kind of a retread of that first episode in Faro's the like they just sort of run off at the end and that's the yeah. end so that's i don't know it's it's i i feel almost confused because the show is confusing is it bad i don't know is it good i don't know so i mean i guess we're, we're rating them what do you think first episode it's a tough one um i would give the first episode i can give it a 3.5 i'm gonna give it a five all right 
in episode two? I thought it was better, but I'll get I'll give it like a, I'll give it a six. Yeah, I, I'm gonna come up to a four point five on the second episode. Yeah, it's it's just less confusing. It is less confusing. I, I agree with you. That's the most I could say for it. No, no, you're right. I, it, it felt more like a real TV show where the first one felt like a bunch of jumbled ideas that didn't come together. And I'm hoping that the show... Well, let me ask you then. Yeah. Because I was going to say, what do you predict... No, you're not going to happen on the show, but do you have any predictions we're gonna, what we're going to see on this show? I think it's going to become maybe more of a character thing. Like the, you're, it's, I think it's going to be each episode they have to do something. Like a sort of mission of the week sort of thing that has the over overarching theme of uh, trying to get to San Diego, You're but I th- but I think it's gonna have like each episode is gonna have its own little plot that they. Here's have to my do. prediction for the show: they're gonna discover that the real world is also a simulation. Oh really? I think I think they're gonna get there. I think mm. that's where it's gonna go. Maybe. I mean, it makes you think, Jordan. What if, <laughs> what if we're in a harsh realm? Oh yeah. No. Buddy, you're harsh in my realm. Harsh in my realm. That's a real that's a real bummer. Stop stop being such a cob nobbler. <laughs> I think you went back to your computer to find that. I to check it. Yeah, in the meantime, if anyone wants to talk to us about harsh realm, you can email us at continuumdrag at gmail.com or you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at continuumdrag, where we'll be posting images and gifts and things from these episodes as we go along. Um, but other than that, Jordan, uh, good uh, good show, and uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah, rock on. That means a happy goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>